The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nothing builds the thrill quite like seeing our Buffalo Bills march right down the field. Every pass, every play, and every touchdown, right? But for those of us who have to catch the action blurry, it's time to call Fichte, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care and schedule a consultation. With Zeiss Smile technology, you can have your vision corrected in moments so you can get back to focusing on what's important. It's a quick, pain-free procedure with a world-class team and you're back in the action. Visit us online at Ficta.com, that's F-I-T-C-H-E.com, and take our free self-evaluation test to see if you are eligible and schedule a consultation. Because here in Buffalo, we don't just watch the game, we live it. Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care. We are focused on you. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Y'all know it is hump day. That means it is Wednesday. And officially, in football season, that means we can get over the last game. So today, I, we're, Bruce and I are going to talk about it for like a quick second. Not a long time. Quick second. And then we are going to get over it. But I have a very special guest because my normal co-host, Joe Miller, the voice of Bill's Mafia, is not with me tonight. So I have the man, the, the exclusive guy himself, Mr. Bruce exclusive bruce nola what's up man it's a party all the time disco all balls the time. dancers <laughs> the whole thing I mean, you know you know how i be at this point you know how it goes yeah you got to get a shirt or something you got to get merch you got i to. do have merch i just don't have the disco balls and dancers <laughs> I, we gotta I need... we gotta get i'm just saying i gotta get some shirts sold for you or something man like it's a party it's literally your tagline it is it's a party i should have a bumper sticker made otherwise it would give me away so yeah, you're right. I should have you're some right. merch. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get I, with, I I'll get with my guys and see if I can get a shirt made. Okay. That was real FBI ish of me. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, always the so people let's, you, get, let's you least expect. 
Yep. Well, or or how do they say it? Is it's so it's always your own. It's, it's your own family, or how are they? You know, it's like it's always your own that does it. But let's get to it, man. This game was disgusting. It was disgusting. I know yeah. um, you're probably going to talk about it on the Bruce exclusive, so I won't ask you too much about it because I don't want to take anything away from your show. And I talked about it on on Code of Conduct. I was a little upset. You're you're a whole lot more um, just level headed, and and you you think things through. I'm more emotional, and uh, that's not a good thing because I recorded the pod directly after the game. So let me ask you, what are your initial thoughts, and, or not initial, but now that it's been a couple days, what are your thoughts and feelings on this game? So my big takeaway uh, from the game is that I think this is a litmus test for the way that you view Josh Allen. I think if your initial, your initial response is defensiveness, your initial response is blame it on somebody else. Well, it's Ken Dorsey. Well, it's the offensive line. Well, you know, I think that this is the way that I can hold up. I can hold this game up to you as an observer, as a consumer of football and mm-hmm. know whether or not you're just beyond help. I think if I hold this game up to you and go, Hey, what'd you think of this, man? <sighs> You know, Josh was, you know, Josh was, you know, whatever. Josh was, right. but Dorsey, man, he was awful. If that is the answer, I know full well you're too far gone. If, if ever there was a game where I can say with confidence, with definitive foot in the ground, flag planting confidence, that Josh Allen was the biggest part of the reason why you lost this game, it is this game. Mm-hmm. Now, those those same people are some of the people who say wins are a quarterback stat, which is riotous because then you want to give them too much credit, but you don't want to give them any of the blame. So I think that this game serves as a barometer and kind of a thermometer almost for somebody. You can stick it in their mouth and go, okay, your response to this tells me the way that you view Josh Allen. Because mm-hmm. one of the things you and I talked about when we ranked quarterbacks, remember we had the quarterback ranking show not too long ago, and I flat out said that there are people out there who believe that Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the league and Patrick Mahomes simply has the best situation in the league. Mm -hmm. And I said that, right? This type of game, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have. Like, essentially ever. That's just not the way it works. Patrick Mahomes, with nowhere close to the weapons that Josh Allen had against the lions looked markedly better, but he doesn't do this kind of thing. doesn't have these kind of lows. So for me, that's my big takeaway. My big takeaway is I think this is a tool. I think it is a tool that you can use to examine yourself and to examine others as to whether or not you are truly willing to be objective when it comes to your quarterback. Because we can, I can simultaneously say, yes, I love Josh Allen. I still believe he's the second best quarterback in football. Also, this is a terrible game. He is the biggest reason why we lost, and it was bad. Mm-hmm. It was worse than the offensive line. It was worse than Ken Dorsey. He was manufacturing his own pressures. He was manufacturing his own QB <laughs> hits, and he was ignoring open receivers. He manufactured the own issues. It wasn't like there was an external stimuli that was holding Josh down this game. He created his own nonsense. Sometimes, sometimes the nonsense finds you. Sometimes you find the nonsense. This is a game where Josh Allen found the nonsense. And if you're 
unable to see that, if you're unable, unwilling to admit that, then I think that this game serves as a barometer for you. Well, I think the, I think the frustrating thing for me when watching him is exactly literally everything that you said. He he created his own pressures. He literally like he put himself in the position to have those turnovers. And when you talk, when you look at Josh Allen's game, it's like you, we fell in love with him because he does this stuff. Right. Like normally, most times. It, it ends up as a positive, right? Like Josh is, you know, he's rolling out to his left and then he throws it across his body to digs 40 yards down the field and then it's a touchdown. Sometimes those plays where he's doing all of these Superman things, sometimes they go bad. And then sometimes you have a game like this where all of them go bad. And I, I think I was most frustrated about it because I went into the game thinking, okay, I really want to get a good look at this offensive line now against a quality defensive line. I want to see what it's really – the thing is, I don't think I can really – even personally, I don't know how much I can really judge the offensive line because Josh Allen did things that made them look bad. It, like They were – I don't know. How do you feel about the offensive line? It wasn't good, but there is no offensive line that's going to look really good against that defensive line. I mean, Jets' defensive line is amazing, right? I think it's – you're going to have a, a very, very significant, a very significant similarity when you have teams that play the Cowboys offensive line, the Cowboys defensive line. I think there isn't an offensive line in football that's going to look good against the Cowboys, I don't think. And I don't think there's one that's going to look good against this. They were good enough to not cripple the entire offense. They weren't great at all. But one of the things we're talking talk about during Bruce Exclusive is that you really need to watch the dropbacks and you need to know how many steps are planned into the play because right. yes, Spencer Brown got knocked back into Josh Allen and that's bad. But if Josh Allen has a three-step drop and then sits there for another second and a half and gets pushed back into him, Spencer Brown did his job. He protected right. for long enough. The play, no play in the world is designed for Josh Allen to take a three-step drop, <laughs> stand there, pat the ball six times, freak out, run around, do a twirly dance. No, no play in the world is designed for that. We love the fact that he can create. What we don't want him to do is create when he doesn't need to or create because he has to because he's not playing within the structure of the offense. That's where you get a player like Kyler Murray versus a player like Patrick Mahomes, right? So Kyler Murray... Outside the structure of the offense, we have historically liked. But Cliff Kingsbury's offense was so bad in the structure, it was necessary to do that. Patrick Mahomes can play in the structure, but he can also create out of the structure. The structure is good enough for you to perform inside the structure. You don't need to do it on every single play. But if you hit your back foot and you tap, 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 and then it comes, or if you hit your back foot and the pocket's fine and you're just scrambling anyway... You, at that point, you did. You brought the pressure on yourself. Either you brought it by holding on too long, or you brought it by bailing out too fast. And it's that clock. It's finding that nice happy medium between knowing the ball needs to come out right now, mm -hmm. or I have time, or okay, the clock's going off now. I need to go ahead and create. But if the clock goes off too early, you're wasting the structure of the play. And if the clock goes off too late, you are inviting pressure that really shouldn't be there because the ball should have been gone. You know, if you have mm -hmm. a rocker step or a, you know, a three-step drop, you hit the back foot, the ball should be gone. If you hold it there for another second and a half, you can't really get mad that there is a, a, a guy in your face. The ball's supposed to be gone. It, it's hilarious because 
we don't see this a lot from the Buffalo Bills offense, but if you just pay attention to other offenses, you'll see it. Great example. The, the New York Jets, there was a narrative coming out the day after the game about how Aaron Rodgers doesn't like pass plays that have cut block concepts in front of him because mm -hmm. the offensive line will cut block and then the guy will get back up and come at him. And he doesn't like it because it, it forces his clock to go off early. Well, the reason why the cut blocks exist is because you're not supposed to hold the ball, right? It's there to clear <laughs> the passing lane for you quickly so you can throw it. And then Aaron Rodgers goes, well, I, I'm getting mad because I, I'm going to hold the ball. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to hold the ball. That's the point. So if you want to know whether or not that pressure, quote unquote, should have been there, one of the ways to look at is where does he stop the top of his drop? If he stops it at five steps, and by the time he stops it, someone's in his lap, that's an offensive line issue. That's a protection issue, period. Because you're supposed to be able to, the play is designed for you to get to the top of your drop. There's no play that's designed, and you don't want the quarterback to get to the top of the drop. That, that doesn't happen. All of it's designed for you to at least get to the top of your drop. If it's a three-step drop and he holds it, and then he gets pressure after a long time, dude, that's that's on you. Or it's on the receiver not getting open. But then, of course, you look at the All-22, and sure enough, open. So the fact of the matter is, Allen brings this on himself a lot of the time. And for a long time in this fan base, we weren't willing to say that. And I feel like the tide is turning. I feel like the ship is turning. And for all but the most diehard Allen homers, they are willing to admit sometimes Josh Allen does this to himself. Now, this can coexist with the fact that he's still an awesome quarterback, mm -hmm. but he has games, he has moments where he brings this on himself. He, when you invite chaos, you cannot be upset when the chaos shows up at your door. You invited it. You called You asked it. for smoke and found fire. What are you, you talking asked, about? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you sent out a Facebook invite. They did. They are chaos RSVP'd yes. And then it shows up to your house and you go, what are you doing here? Yeah. You sent it out. You invited it in. So crazy. That's it. And, 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 and so then there's a good question in the comments here. Trigg says he wants to know, and I, I, I think we all know the answer, and I think a couple people kind of answered this, but I, I want to hear your take on this. Do you think is that Josh Allen is not trusting what Ken Dorsey is doing? or uh, Because even, you know, there was questions last season, and I don't know how true these other rumors are, but, you know, when Diggs was at, on the sideline um, asking Josh what he's doing, some, some of the rumors said that Diggs was basically saying, like, look, man, forget what that call is. You see me open, throw it to me. Or could it, you know, like, so could there be something about the offensive coordinator that that was the problem Monday? Or do you think it was really just that Josh was out of it? Given the fact that Josh Allen advocated for Ken Dorsey, it feels very unlikely he would advocate mm -hmm. for a person who's then play calls he doesn't trust. Mm -hmm. That just, that feels unlikely to me. I think really what happened is the clock is broken. The clock was broken and it needs to get fixed. Is that he felt chaos he felt pressure he felt anxiety that wasn't there and so what happened was he ends up hitting that the top of his drop and truly believing that he's under pressure and needs to scramble and make something happen even if he's not right this is one of those situations where you know one of the discussions we have constantly coming into the nfl draft about quarterbacks is they can create when they need to but that's not going to be every play and it shouldn't be if it's every play you're doing something wrong mm. you shouldn't be creating your own offense it's a little bit like all right you're a basketball guy i am not a basketball guy but i know enough about this okay mm. there are offenses in basketball that are built almost entirely around iso 
Yes. Those offenses don't have a tendency to hold up well in the long run. The, the offenses that can ISO are great, right? But ultimately, ball movement is preferable. You want to have players who can operate within the structure of an offense, but can also create their own shot, right? That's the idea. If you want to have a mm-hmm. great score, Kevin Durant, one of the greatest scorers of all time, he can absolutely operate within the structure of an offense. He can mm-hmm. also break you down and create his own shot anytime he wants. That's what makes him great. That's what we're talking about when it comes to quarterbacks. You have to be able to do both. And you don't want to have a player who's only a creator, and you don't want a player who only can operate within the structure of an offense. You're looking for both because the NF, the current NFL environment requires you to have both. And when Josh Allen isn't operating within the structure at all, that's essentially what we see. Mm. Well, I think, I think the, first of all, great analogy, great analogy. I think when I look at Josh Allen, you know, again, like I said earlier, it's one of those things where that's what we fall in love or that's why we fell in love with him as a fan base. It's like, oh, he can do all these great things. And when it breaks down, he still gets the, you know, he, he figures it out. Right. But, but to your point, I think what ends up happening, and this is just an opinion thing at this point, but I think what ends up happening is when, when Josh gets there, we got to figure something out. And this is where, and this is why, I blame McDermott. I don't blame McDermott for everything. He wasn't out there running routes. He wasn't throwing the passes. He wasn't making the, you know, he wasn't making those decisions. But if your quarterback is that far gone, you got to reel him in, man. And I know the game was close. I'm not saying bench him. I'm not saying, because that's craziness. I've heard a lot of people on the timeline, believe me. If you listen to WGR, believe me. People were saying, well, maybe we need to bench. Maybe we need to have tough conversation about Josh. I don't think that's the tough conversation to have. But as a head coach or Dorsey as the offensive coordinator, there has to be somebody in leadership who can get Josh Allen to kind of come back. Like, look, we got to have to come back to Jesus talk. Come here, sit down, focus. Let's do this. Got to have it. And right now, I don't think we do. I have. I'm going to spoil something for you, just so you know. I'm going to spoil okay. I know we said we weren't going to spoil a Bruce exclusive, but I'm going to go ahead and spoil something for you. Oh. I have two things that come to mind immediately. The first one is, I'd like Ken Dorsey to be on the sidelines to be able to talk to Josh Allen. I'd like for him to be able to look Josh Allen in the eye. Thanks. I think it's more, far more important for Josh Allen than it is for other people. Mm-hmm. I think having that face-to-face conversation, seeing the look in his eye, I think matters. The second thing is, I beg of you, Ken Dorsey, if you can listen to this show, you won't, just so you know. But if anyone here knows Ken Dorsey, right, I beg of you to make sure that as much pre-snap motion and shifting is in the playbook as humanly possible. One of the things you can do to help Josh Allen calm down is to help him feel more secure before the snap happens. If he feels less anxious and more secure before the snap, he is less likely to freak out after the snap. And the best ways you can do that is by giving him as many potential answers to the test questions before the snap occurs. So I think back to the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game not too long ago, Mm -hmm. where Josh Allen looked completely in control. In fact, there were some discussions that, well, he was simply a, a product of Ken, you know, just a product of Brian Dable. And the reason why they thought that is because he looked so unbelievably in control and secure. And the reason that was is because there was a lot of pre-snap motion. There was a lot of, okay, blah, 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 blah. We're going to talk about this ahead of time. And I think that that level of security will help him freak out less after the snap. I'll give you a great example. One of the 
most important phrases and lessons I ever learned was that competence just looks a lot like preparation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not talking about preparation during the week. I'm talking about pre-snap preparation. Josh Allen will probably feel calmer. He will probably feel more in control. He will feel less chaotic if he knows before the snap. Okay, if I see this, I'm going to do this. If I see this, I'm going to do that. If I see this thing, then I'm going to do that. And he knows this and he just has to simplify it and identify those types of things. So those are the two things that I know are really oversimplistic and I totally understand, but barring my ability to get into a visual medium and actually show you on all 22 here, I I, I like this thing. I don't like that thing. Those are two things I believe that can help Josh Allen moving forward. There are not enough easy buttons. That is my thing that I don't like about Ken Dorsey's offense is that play action and the shifting and the motion went way down from Brian Dable. So that one thing, that one thing I really want to be changed. That doesn't mean that I'm blaming Ken Dorsey for this. But if you're going to have a quarterback who's going to suffer from these particular ailments and you know you're going to have that, you need to build your offense to address it. Sidebar, real quick, for those listening by podcast form, Mr. Tony in the comments wants to know, where is Bruce speaking from? Outer space? Where is Maybe. this guy's picture? That's what he wants to know, Bruce. You did an elbow reveal one day, didn't you? Or was it was it an elbow? I did an elbow at 10,000 Twitter <laughs> followers a long time ago. At 20,000, I promised an ankle. Oh, oh man, we're getting out of here. An ankle at 20,000, so I'm closing on that. I am I am currently speaking from an undisclosed location. There you go. There you go. Tony, we consider you FBI. You're in time up, buddy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so uh, one more question about this game, and then let's move on because I'm already, like, I'm really sick of talking about it, and I'm in mm-hmm. Buffalo, and everybody out here is sick of talking about it. I went to Tops. They're sick of it. Everybody's sick of it. So, last question. You know me, Bruce, and, and those who listen to the Code of Conduct or who's been kind of keeping up with me since my Buffalo Fanatics days know that special teams matter to me. Hmm. Special teams matter to me. This is a two-part question. On Code of Conduct yesterday, I was a little um, overly, I was harsh <laughs> on, on DeMar Hamlin. Now, I'm going to tell you why. I personally, prior to what happened last year in Cincinnati, I did not think that DeMar Hamlin was a very good football player. That that was just me. I thought that they tried to develop him. They wanted to develop him. And I think that they wanted him to sit behind Jordan and Micah and then hopefully develop instead of having to play as much. With Micah's injury, he had to play a lot more. And I don't think it was as good as the fan base seems to have affection for him to be right now. Now, so here's my question. The first part of that is, if we kept him for the sake of playing special teams and then being like the fourth or fifth safety as far as depth, he's inactive. Why was he inactive? And then secondly, when we talk about how important special teams is, if DeMar Hamlin is here for that reason, is he really worth keeping over the guy that just signed to the Giants or another guy that may be a a great special teams player? I just don't understand. I think that it was DeMar Hamlin or a fifth defensive tackle. That's what I think. And I think that when you're playing the Jets and the Jets offensive line issues, you want to make sure you have the freshest possible defensive lineman mm-hmm. and you want to bring waves and waves. And that's probably what happened. In my but, opinion, it was a fifth defensive tackle or DeMar Hamlin. Okay. But you're, you just took like the, 
the straight up, this is the probability answer. I'm saying mm-hmm. from last year, <laughs> I'm not letting you off the hook. Did you side. expect me to take a different look at that? Because <laughs> I'm saying last year. It, okay, so am I am I wrong with my assessment of, of DeMar? Do I, is, he, is he better than I think he is? I have a slightly more positive um, take, but I don't have a, a massively more positive take than you. I thought that DeMar Hamlin uh, trigger versus the run. I was impressed with overall his trigger versus the run. I think later in the year, he started to miss a little bit more tackles. And I didn't like that because obviously missed tackles are a big deal from a safety standpoint. If mm-hmm. there is one thing that is important on second and third level, it is missing tackles because the effect of you missing a tackle is much more significant on the second and third level than it is on the first. So Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, love their ability and coverage. I need y'all to make a tackle, right? And and, yeah. and our, 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 you know, Jordan Poyer, Trey White, the tackling was not great against the Jets. And Listen. that's how you get long <laughs> runs, right? If you show me a long run, I'll show you one of two things. Number one, a wide receiver blocking their butt off downfield. Number two, mm-hmm. a second and third level defender missing their tackle. So Can I say one thing? I'm sorry yeah. to cut you up. Y'all know JP is my boy. Jordan is my dog. Y'all know. Jordan, you got to tackle, bro. Monday night, Micah, y'all got to tackle, man. Trey, y'all can't be these, – these, these lanes that y'all allow to be open that y'all don't close is looking like the Red Sea. I need this to not happen again. And, and Sunday, we about to talk about it. Sunday, we got a very good running back coming into Buffalo Orchard Park. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bruce. <laughs> no, no worries. I am with you. So my opinion of DeMar Hamlin before um, – before the injury and everything last year was that I was like, okay, well, I, I don't think I'd feel super comfortable with him starting right now by any means. Um, but I see the developmental traits. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not happy with him as a starter right now. Like if he was your starter, I think I would really feel strongly that you need to upgrade from that. But I saw some traits specifically his trigger against the run that mm-hmm. would allow him to make some, some splashy plays. And I think that that, that would help. Um, so my opinion of him during that time was, okay, it's a developmental piece. He's worth rostering. Let's see if he can turn it around kind of thing. Okay. We can, we can move on to the, to the Raiders game. One last thing on it. Do you, how do you, when, do you play Madden at all? No. Okay. I don't, I don't take Madden as like real football because it's not right. But I, I always wondered how people like, like you, look at the matting ratings when they come out. So like if they rate Steph Diggs a 94, that probably makes sense, right? Uh, if they rate Josh Allen a 92, that probably, he's, I think he's higher this year. I think he's like a 95, but that probably makes sense, right? What would, from, it doesn't have to be a Madden type thing, but for you, if you were to rank a player, grade him one to a hundred, DeMar would be above like 80? No. No, I, if Madden came out, I used to play Madden a long time mm-hmm. ago, so I know enough to know that if DeMar Hamlin came out and was in like an 82, I'd be shocked. Okay. He's a yeah, 66. Be, yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah, 66, 68, 71, that would be, yeah, that'll be all, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Okay, moving on. Raiders game, hump day, part two. Okay. Hump day! And, <laughs> you did it. I couldn't do it. You did it. Thank you. That's oh, normally right. my part. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Okay, so. What has to change for this Raiders game? I'm gonna get, like to me, that's the only point. Uh, you know, you we can you can tell me what little things or what, but what has to change that we saw Monday night to Sunday for the Buffalo Bills to not start this season zero two? The first thing is that I want I want Josh Allen to know that 
Dalton Kincaid is your friend. He's your friend. They, they, they traded up to, to get you a new friend. And that's really what this is. Steph Diggs is your, is your boy. Dalton Kincaid can be your, your other boy, right? Listen, we all have our guy, right? You've, you've got Joe, right? Joe's, Joe's your, Joe's your guy. You guys do a show together, mm-hmm. you go way back. He's your boy, right? Yep. But you can have like another boy, right? Like a guy who you've known for a long time. You've never actually met him personally, but he humps, on, he hops on hump day to, to help you out when Joe's not around. And he's a perfectly acceptable backup, right? Yeah. Perfect. Dalton Kincaid can be that. And so I think that when you get a player that you believe can help you win in the short and intermediate parts of the field, that can help you be an answer. Because remember what we talked about, the more answers Josh Allen has, the more comfortable he'll be. But there's a caveat there. The more answers Josh Allen perceives that he has, the more comfortable he'll be. If you give Josh Allen an answer, but he doesn't actually view it that way, he's going to be just as frantic as he ever was. Mm -hmm. So what I need is I need Josh Allen to start viewing Dalton Kincaid as an answer to a problem. Because if he views him as an answer to a problem and feels confident that, hey, you know what? If I look at Steph as a first read and I don't like it, I feel comfortable if I get through that I can can put this to Dalton Kincaid. Right? And especially when you go deep to short touchdown to check down, right? Mm-hmm. I was, you know, Dalton Kincaid had a really low a dot, really low average distance of target, but he actually didn't have a really short route tree. So when you go back and watch the all 22 Dalton Kincaid was the high of the high low combinations on more than one occasion, like multiple times they would, there was a route combination on a side of the field that was specifically designed to put the corner in conflict and the high receiver was Dalton Kincaid and the low receiver was somebody else. So they clearly feel comfortable with Kincaid down the field because usually with tight ends, they are always the low part of the high low, right? But when you have a slot receiver, you have a slot player, you want a slot corner to be an option. So mm-hmm. you could have slot corner and a drag. Okay. So you have slot corner to drag and that creates a high low for a quarterback. So you have a slot corner, Sorry, yeah, so you have a slot corner and then you have a, a drag. So Dalton Kincaid is in the slot. He runs a corner route. Somebody else runs a, a, a drag underneath him, and there you go. You have your high-low right there. They're clearly comfortable with Dalton Kincaid down the field. So mm-hmm. I need Josh Allen to start perceiving him the way that the offense clearly perceives him and the way that the fan base perceives him, which is as an answer. So on that side, that's what I need. On the other side of the ball, I need the pass rush to show up as well as humanly possible. It will not replicate what you saw from the Jets. The Raiders have a markedly better offensive line than the Jets. And depending on who you ask, they had one of the better offensive performances from an offensive line standpoint of any team in football week one. I watched that game. I was pleased with Mm -hmm. the Las Vegas Las Vegas offensive line. Jimmy Garoppolo is not someone who has historically handled pressure. Well, this is much more of a test for the defensive line and the pass rush than New York was. So on one hand, you're going to get a litmus test for the pass rush. On the other hand, I need Josh Allen to perceive Dalton Kincaid because if he is an answer, it doesn't matter. It matters if Josh feels like he's an answer. I need Josh Allen to go back, watch the tape and go, 
you know what? Hold on. Dalton Kincaid's an answer for the world today. Dalton is the answer for the world today. And so that's the way I need things to happen on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. All right. Well, we're about to, uh, I'm, I'm about to let everybody get ready. So in the comments, go ahead and get your stat lines for Josh Allen ready. Uh, give me a prediction of the stat line and the final score. Uh, but before that, I have one quick word and then we're going to uh, get into it. And Bruce is going to go and make dinner or something or cuddle with the dog. One more. Bill's Mafia is back. Are you ready for it? The third annual Buffalo Rumblings IPA beer release party is going down September 16th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Resurgence Brewing Company located downtown at 55 Chicago Street. I'm going to tell you what, you do not want to miss this event. Come out and hang with Joe, Sarah, and the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings crew for the Megapod. You're going to want to bring your questions and be a part of the live stream. Get involved. It's going to be live. And this year, we're also going to have our friends from Fans of Buffalo joining the party and sponsoring the fun. They're going to be in the house to provide you with all the information you need to make your away game day experience the easiest and the most smooth that you've ever had in your life. I can promise you, they they do their job very well. So make sure you make it out Saturday, September 16th, 6 p.m., Resurgence Brewing Company, 55 Chicago Street. Go Bills. Oh, Bills, I can't wait for Saturday. Uh, the way Monday was in New Jersey, the tailgate, we, we were, obviously I posted the pictures and they weren't fake. Bills Mafia still represented the way we were supposed to. It's just that the Buffalo Bills didn't. So let's get those stat lines and the predictions in the comments. And Bruce, if you feel comfortable here, uh, give me your prediction on, on how you think Josh will perform. Uh, typically, obviously we give the yards, pass, interceptions, and uh, you know rushing if you want to throw those in there. 285 passing yards, two touchdowns, a pick, and six carries, 47 yards. Nice. I'm going to need him not to throw a pick, though. He got enough the first week. I'm I'm just saying. <laughs> Can we take a break from giving it to the other team? Just just take a break. But you know what? The thing about the Raiders, though, I know um, – so their, their defense is nowhere near as good as the Jets. But – they have weapons and I'm nervous about Max Crosby. You know, you know, like we don't know if Spencer Brown is better or not based on what I saw. I don't think that he is yet. You know, I'm nervous about that matchup because of that. I kind of agree with you. I do think that he's going to throw an interception. I don't think it's going to be one of those games where he's going to go off for like 400, but I think it's going to be a lot better as far as protecting the ball and and clock management and all that stuff. I think the Buffalo bills are going to have the ball. So I think I think we're actually going to try to run a little bit more. I think you, if you got James Cook on your fantasy, start him, start him. I'm gonna go 250 for Josh, like 255, uh, two touchdowns, one fumble, no interception, but a fumble, and I'm gonna uh, hope that he gets one on the ground. All right, yeah. duly we noted. Are we winning? I do. I do think so. Yes. Okay. All right. I got that too. So uh, in the comments, it seems like we only only got one. We got Tony. He says, Allen is going off. He going off. 343, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and everybody's back on the bandwagon. (laughs) Code of conduct would be so much fun next week. (laughs) It's a lot more fun to create content. It's a lot more fun to consume content after a win. There's for sure. And it's just so you all know, we don't like doing this nearly as much when y'all are mad because we're 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 mad too i mean i i don't i'm not mad i never get mad but um i i 
I was over it. I was like, okay, I'll move on to the next one. That's just, I, I don't get, but, but, but I get frustrated that y'all are mad at me. <laughs> That's for sure. And it's like, but it's like, wait, we, we didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do anything. No, here's, here's what bulls. It's the same thing as the, I wish they asked tougher questions. It's mm-hmm. that same thing. It, it's the, it's the, you're mad on behalf of someone. And so the content creators in the media, what happens is they become your conduit to the team. They're your middleman. And if they're not showing anger, it makes you you angry because you're angry. So you're angry and you want them to be angry because you're angry and you want them to match your level of energy. You want them to match your anger. You want the reporter to yell at the team because you want to yell at the team and you can't. Mm-hmm. So when the reporter doesn't yell at the team the way that you yell at the team, then you yell at the reporter. That's how that works. That's it. Right. That's it. So it's the same thing with content creators. You want me to scream at the team because it'll make you feel better about the fact that you're screaming about the team. Well, see, I'm going to be honest with you. So I don't have many um, like fears and insecurities when it comes to this stuff. But so like, obviously I've been credentialed a few times and I can I have access to, to credentials now. I don't even want to do the post-game pressers because I'm scared of this doggone fan base, man. Like I do a podcast and I say one thing bad about Josh Allen after we lose to the Bengals at home in the playoffs when he can't get the ball in the end zone. I don't want to be an oppressor for that. Are you kidding me? No. no. Nope. Okay, we're out of here. Bruce, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Uh, I know your show is coming out this week. Well, I mean, if you're listening to this live, my show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops Thursday morning. If you're listening to this on Thursday morning, then stop what you're doing here after the show is over and go go listen to that show, I guess. Um, yeah, I have no plugs. Um, I, I'm a little bit like Ron Swanson from the, the last season of uh, Parks and Rec where he says, um, it's a very good construction company. He goes, do business with us or do not. I am not a beggar. Same thing, right? Listen to my pod or do not. I'm not a beggar. Go listen to it. It's a hot pod. It's, it's what it is. So Bruce is the man. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me, man. And uh, shout out to my co-host, Joe Miller. He will be back next week. If he's not, I promise you, I'm going to go find him. I'm going to bring him here myself if he's not here next week. It's going down. Y'all know how we do it, Buffalo Romans. Y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. As always, stay positive. Test negative. Let me get that go Bills in the comments, y'all. <laughs>